Hello, hello, and welcome to episode four of Dipsomania, the podcast about booze and cocktail culture. I'm Jake. Please join us as Lance and I explore the wonderful world of the whiskey sour. Enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. I've even got a cherry in mine. Look at oh, that. Oh, I forgot. Uh-huh. Oh, you know, that's a tasty beverage. <laughs> it's, it's really good. So this week, we're having whiskey sours. Mmm. Indeed. Um, and I, I know your rule was rye. Well, I wanted to talk about rye in terms of bottles. But I, I did a Eagle Rare. I did mine with the uh, bullet rye, mm. which is spelled like it should be pronounced bullite, but it doesn't appear to be pronounced that way. I was watching uh, <laughs> something, a period TV show, and they had the bullet. Is bullet an old brand, or does it just look like an old brand? I think it just looks like an old brand, but it may be like the rebirth of an old brand or something like that. Because it was positioned so that you couldn't, like, I don't, I don't think they paid for, you know, having their whiskey in the, in the show. Mm-hmm. But if you know their sideways label and you know the shape of the bottle, it was definitely bullet. And it seemed odd for a couple of reasons. One, why wouldn't you show the label? And if you aren't showing the label, why does it matter what bottle is sitting on the bar? Right. It could just have tea in it. So, according to Tom Bullitt, or Bullite, who knows, Mm -hmm. um, who created the modern brand, the first batch of Bullet bourbon was made around 1830 by Augustus Bullite, because his name's Augustus, I'm going to assume Bullite. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Well, this show I was watching takes place shortly after World War I. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it's an Australian show. Uh, it's the it's the Mrs. Fisher Mysteries. Oh, right. probably seems pretty gay, but <laughs> I am pretty gay. You're allowed. I am, uh, um, and I like those period mysteries. My wife enjoys those. See, it is pretty gay. Uh-huh. Um, um, well, good to know. So they were being authentic without being uh Well, the poor-ish. production was discontinued after his death in 1860. Mm. So maybe they had a really old bottle. Yeah, they had some vintage whiskey. That they were safe. <laughs> well, I, I find that interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you... Is that your preferred preferred rye? It's sort of my... It, it's, it's like my well rye. It's, it's what I always have on hand. Mm-hmm. It is a nice, affordable uh, whiskey. Yeah, you can get a handle of it for like the mid thirty dollar range. I think. Right, and it's very tasty. It is quite tasty. It's uh, from the same stills as Templeton Rye, although different post processing. Mm. Yeah, I I tend to get the Rittenhouse. Mm hmm. Which is also fairly affordable. Mm hmm. Ah, man. I'm going to go through that too quickly because it's it's super tasty. So how did you make yours? Um, I used, uh, as I said, the Eagle Rare 
which uh, is is one of my favorite bourbons, be- and, and for a couple of reasons, and I'll just cover these really quickly. One is it sounds like it's going to be extra special, Eagle Rare. Right. And then you see this bottle. It's got like this scripted thing on it, and the the, the eagle is on, you know, literally an eagle. And it's a it's a well, it's like a, a depiction. Of right. Not, yes. Not literally an eagle, but it, you know, it's not named after Thomas. E- well, maybe it is, but there's no like picture of Thomas Eagle or something. And uh, it it looks and it's it's. I'm going to say it's affordable, which means it's actually pretty cheap. Right. And the first time I picked it up, I was in New Orleans, and you could literally get like a jug of it, a liter of it, for like forty bucks. Yeah. And I was staying at, at a, a a house with a bunch of friends. A bunch of us got a like we're all staying together, and I knew we were going to go through a ton of bourbon. Mm-hmm. And I got it because a lot of it, and it was cheap. And then it turned out it was really good. It's a nice sipping bourbon as well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so I'm using Eagle Rare and freshly squeezed lemon, as you do, mm-hmm. and the Simple Hands uh, gum syrup. And one and a half, three quarter, three quarter. What are your exactly right? One okay. and a half, three quarter, three quarter. All right. I uh, did pretty much the same, um, except my lemon juice is a little low because I was making a batch of three of these uh, because I live with ladies, <laughs> and they're delicious. <laughs> Both the drinks, and I'm sure the ladies. Absolutely. So I only wanted to cut two lemons. So I I had two ounces of lemon juice instead of what should have been like two and a half or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or two and a quarter, I guess. Which I think is probably fine. Yeah. Uh, And I use use lemon lemons. I know uh, a friend of mine uses, prefers to use Meyer lemons. I think Meyer lemons are a little funky. Yeah, I don't think they work either, but she likes it that way. But uh, and then I used a homemade lavender infused simple syrup. Ooh, special! Which is pretty nice and fancy. Yeah, I uh, I, I have a good friend who likes all of those sort of I, I I'm going to call them soapy bitters like lavender bitters mm-hmm. and ro- rose bitters and uh, there's another one that's like that uh, flowery. <clears throat> but I always find that to, for me, they, that's all I ever taste. Really? And I don't know whether it's because the scent is so singular that I, I I'm like prepared for it every time. Yeah, uh, with the with the simple syrup, at least uh, you pretty much have to convince yourself that you can taste the lavender. Mm. It, it's kind of it's sunk underneath. And mm-hmm. are you doing? Is that a fifty-fifty simple syrup or a rich simple syrup? Um, I tend to make mine rich, just mm. universally. And have you tried the uh, Small Hands Gum? Uh, I've certainly had it in drinks. Super good. It works really well. Obviously, it was made, I think, for drinks, so it, yeah, it works really well. So velvety. And mm-hmm. I noticed yours had a nice sort of foam top from the shaking action. Yes, I, sh- I, I did a good one this time, I think. And uh, an ample rock in there as well and then a luxardo cherry as you do as you do and you're almost done look at you (laughs) (laughs) 
It's, well, I, I, I just came back from uh, a late lunch at Boxing Room here in San Francisco, which is Cajun. Okay. And I had this uh, fairly amazing, it was uh, cheese grits with um, uh, short ribs. Oh, mercy. And then on top of that, they did the, a trilogy sauce. So that would be, you know, the, the basis of mm-hmm. stuff. And then they mixed the trilogy with uh, heirloom tomatoes. So it's it was, the onion, bell pepper, and celery is the trilogy, I believe. Yes, I think you are absolutely correct. So they made they, that was a base, and then they mixed in some tomato in that and, and peppers. So it was like this tangy, and then the grits were creamy and cheesy, and then of course short ribs. There's absolutely yeah. never anything wrong with short ribs. But I, so that's my excuse is that you know it was a tad salty, so I needed to wet yeah. my whistle. Yeah, and this is the. And I didn't, I, on purpose, even though, uh, boxing room being Cajun, they do, they do hurricanes, they do the, uh, Ramos gin, they do uh, like the, the New Orleans-y things. Yeah. They do them upright. They do them, they do them good. Well. And they've got a beta and all that stuff. Kudos I, to you for, uh, resisting exactly. the Ramos You should appreciate fish. that I'm drinking this quickly. Hmm. <laughs> Man, that's good. Um, it's like, it's like adult candy. It really is. Um, uh, it's, it borders on being a sweet drink, but with the, uh, with the lemon, it balances out really nicely. Uh, and do, and do you know, how, is this one of the original cocktails? Does this go really far back? Pretty far back? There's no, there's no bitters in it, generally. There is, there are no bitters in it, which, uh, I, to my mind, sort of, Makes it not a perfectly defined cocktail, because mm-hmm. um, that's spirit, water, sugar, bitters is the formula I know. Literally a classic cocktail. Yeah, which you know, basically uh, old fashioned. Uh, so what I'm reading online, as as I'm cheating, uh, according to the site that I'm looking at, which is Alcohol Professor. Uh huh. Uh, they're saying the recipe was first written down in 1862 by Jerry Thomas. Yeah, good old Jerry. Uh, but he says, however, the basic recipe was known for over a century prior. Huh. Goodness. Um, yeah, so it is... It, it's it, been it, around. It's been there forever, um, and there's a reason why. And now, this, so the original, here's the original recipe. One large teaspoonful of powdered white sugar dissolved in a little seltzer or, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Apollinaris water. Okay. Apollinaris water. The juice of half a small lemon and one wine glass of bourbon or rye whiskey. Wow. That is a very different drink. (laughs) (laughs) So soda was originally used. Uh That's interesting. I might, I can toss, I might do that. I might see what a, like a, oh, you know what I might do? Now that I think of it, I always forget about my car, my magic carbonator. Mm. I wonder what a carbonated whiskey sour. This would be the perfect drink for the carbonator. My next one, I'm going to, it's going to, our, our station break might take a little bit longer than usual as I carbonate because you have to let it sit and in, in not infuse, but carbonate. Carbonate. Yeah, um, I might uh, follow your lead on that one. Uh, and for again, for those at home, if you have not started carbonating your your cocktails, it's mm. 
I would highly recommend it. The and things the, that it does. The device that both Lance and I prefer is the uh, Pure Fizz. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which I, I think th- I, th- I think the Sweet Home actually doesn't recommend that as their favorite, but uh, I sure like it a lot, especially for the express purpose of doing cocktail stuff. Yes. And, and, and the only reason that they don't recommend it is because they have poor support. Mm. Now, how much support do you need, frankly? I have needed none. None, right. <laughs> and, and the one that they do recommend I, is, is like the, the, the popular one, the siphon, like the, you know, the big machine one that you put the, oh, the plastic soda bottles in. Yes. No, screw that. Yes, exactly. You can't, it's not good. That is not good for cocktails. Specifically, it's not good for cocktails. Absolutely. They tell you not to put anything but water in it. Yeah. And, and the Pure Fizz will do literally anything you stick in there. Yeah. So good. And it has the release valve, so it doesn't spritz all over the place. Although, I do always cover the release valve with a towel. It, it is a good <laughs> suggestion. I do it in the sink as well. Mm-hmm. If, I'm, if I'm around a sink, uh, or I'll find a sink. Yeah. Uh, because depending on how many cartridges you you pump in there, if you've got a big crowd, right, and how fast a... you release it, if yeah. you do a fast release, the foam kind of comes up, and then you get a squirt. Um, uh, and so here's a, another whiskey sour recipe that includes egg white. So I was going to ask, do you like an egg white in your whiskey sour? I, I have to say, I've never done it. Oh. <laughs> Probably not recommended for the uh, carbonator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, as far as a shaken whiskey sour, I didn't have time to do it today, but I really like the egg white in them. Now, I will, I'm going to try that because I generally do like egg white-based, mm-hmm. whatever, cocktails. Um, but I've never seen that recipe before. That's how uh, uh, dumb I am about these things. I I. I usually, like, I'll do, like, a search, and the first one that comes up, I'm like, that's the recipe. I'm not good at, I'm not good at looking in the, into the background. So I first came into the uh, egg white situation when I was learning to make a New York sour, mm-hmm. which is basically a whiskey sour with red wine floated on top. Yes. Yes. Which is a fantastic drink. Fantastic drink. And um, a... Just like you were saying, the first recipe I came across had an egg white in it, and it had like this nice foamy top, and then the red wine was layered underneath the foamy top, and then the yellow whiskey sour was below that. I'm like, I want to make that! (laughs) (laughs) And were you successful? I was actually fantastically successful. Wow. There are pictures of it on my Instagram and whatnot. So I'm like, this egg white thing is genius for whiskey sour. Especially the New York sour. So now I'm I'm sort of anxious to try that. I know our rule is two cocktails per broadcast because if we've gone over, it, it's a bad broadcast, it, frankly. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, you want to get the charger working? And I, I think I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna stick with doing carbonated um, because uh, it's it you know it, it's a twist and we like to twist things a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a sparkling whiskey sour uh, is, is what I'm gonna do. I'm just trying to think how much lemon... Actually, I'm going to do it carbonated, but I'm going to use a grapefruit shrub that I have. Oh, fancy. 
because yeah. I, I have more of that than I have lemons. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to have enough lemons, and I definitely have them on, on, uh, on staff. I definitely <laughs> have them here for me now that I need them. And I suggested the whiskey sour basically because it, uh, it, it follows. So our trend has been the three-ingredient cocktail. Right. So it falls into that category. And also, I, it, I like it because it is simple to remember. Like you said, it's, it's like two parts of whiskey and one part sour and sweet. Yes. Super simple. Mm-hmm. Shake, shake, shake. And it's not quite Negroni simple, but it's... It's not quite Negroni simple. Um, although, you know, I, I was looking up some Negroni alternatives mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to be a little strict about one thing in that I think it's not a Negroni if it's not equal parts of things. You know, I am with you on that. Like, otherwise you're moving into like Boulevardier territory and you should just make up a name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw some that were, were clearly going far afield from Negronis as far as I am concerned. Mm-hmm. It's not just the fact that it's, you know, the, the, the bitter, the sweet, and the, the lovely, delightful gin. Right. It's the, it's the proportions. Absolutely. Actually, and... I, 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 I'm with you. I think, I think the proportions are what make it a Negroni. And you can play with the flavors of the three components as much as you want to. But yes. As long as, as long as like there's something very bitter and a strong spirit and a vermouth, basically, like that's what I think of as the realm of Negroni variations. I agree wholeheartedly. You can you can toss up the bit. There's tons of bitters as we've discussed yep. that you can use. I do like Campari uh, best. Mm. Mm-hmm. I will. I, I can say that unequivocally, having tried a lot of different things. The uh, Aperol, it, it tends to be a little too floral and sweet for me. Yep, yep. And uh, the, the, the balance of the Campari against the sweet vermouth. And for the vermouth piece, I'm kind of all over the board there. I don't really have a favorite. Same. Um, it, actually, it actually did, for me, the real play of the game is which gin paired with which vermouth. Hmm. And what do you have a favorite gin then? Uh, not universally. Like... Nah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I I just got the uh, uh, another bottle of the Spirit Works, uh, which uh, mm-hmm. I don't don't remember. I think they're Chicago, right? Um, and it, you want to talk about a reliable gin that 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 is a beauty. Like yeah. if you can if you can find it locally, pick some of that up. I I I love that gin. Very reliable. I love a reliable gin, <laughs> and that is that is it. Now explain what you mean by reliable, though. I mean I have n- I have yet to find a cocktail that it doesn't work well in, and it's it's just good for like sipping with some ice. That's so, a, that's a great definition of reliable for a spirit. Like uh, a because, Hendrix, yeah. Is not a is, I don't want to. Well, but it's in, it's in it's, that, it's a distinctive gin. It's a, it is distinctive, and so it's uh, depending on like a, I I add it to a Pim's cup, mm-hmm. uh, and it works spectacularly well. Oh, it, it makes a Pim's cup just explode. It's Super great. good, um, and I I do like a Hendrix Martini. As do I. Um, 
Uh, but Hendrickson yeah, Tonic is great. Yeah, I I have nothing against them, but it it is like you said, it's distinctive. Mm-hmm. So, which, which in something more nuanced like an aviation or and uh, the attention. Um, <laughs> Why? What? What's with the air quotes? The air quotes were because you have to say the for the name. Oh, of the, all right. Like it's not just an attention; it's a the attention, which is very confusing to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I. I it's yeah. a great cocktail, though. Great cocktail. I have not had that. I will look it. I up. don't. I don't think it's a classic. I think it's a modern cocktail, but um, it's similar to. It's related to an aviation. It's got the. Uh, absinthe and other it's got the creme de violette so i i drink copiously through the week so you'll have to excuse me if if we've talked about this or i talked about it with somebody else but uh on the on the subject of cocktail names Mm -hmm. i uh, were we talking about there's probably a a a a business or or something about just coming up with names i i I feel like we may have discussed that in the uh lost episode Ah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. which we will never know. It, it is it is well lost. I I've burned everything. Yeah, it's lost for a reason. Uh, I, it, that is the only the only reason anybody should listen to that is an example of what not to do yes. for a podcast. Yes, it's one. It's 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 a classic example of when you're talking and you think you're making plenty of sense <laughs> and you're really enjoying your conversation, and then you go back. And you realize, no, it's all bullshit. Yeah, there's a lot of rambling, maybe some spitting even on yeah. the on the microphone. Yeah, and yeah, not 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 even and not even funny bad, just no, bad, just bad, just really. It's, it's yeah, two bad drunken people <laughs> who that, are amused with themselves. But... That's that's our other podcast name. <laughs> <laughs> two badly drunken people. Hello. Um. So, I, but I did want to so. The reason why I was confused a bit was this week, was it this week? Yes, this past week, uh, went to ABV here in San Francisco. Which looked like an excellent visit. Wow, it was, it was, it was lovely um, and b- bordering on spectacular. Um, the, the, we, this was our uh, Tuesday tipple or tipple Tuesday, uh, mm-hmm. of my friend and I do every week. Uh, like we need an excuse to go drink. Mm-hmm. But... Um, so this, uh, she and but you've got my, the hashtag and everything. So you have exactly. to keep it up. You, you, have, you have to push it. You have to <laughs> you have, you have your brand. You have to live it up. Um, and she suggested ABV um, because she had tried it uh, before and didn't enjoy it so much. Um, mm. She thought maybe the bartenders were having an off night. Um, they were cranky about something. Maybe another customer would come in and you know spoiled things for them. Um, because you know, part of the pleasure of a, of a good bar is the, the to chat with the bartender and Absolutely. see them having a good time, and when they can make you something that they're happy and proud of. And this was all of those things. The other advantage of a Tipple Tuesday is we start it early, like we get there at five. Right. So the crowd's not there yet. Uh, it's not the cranky after work people. It, these are. These are people who like to drink, right? Yeah. You're, if you're there that early in the afternoon, yeah, you you want to drink. Uh, so the there are a couple of advantages to ABV. Um, one was uh, that it appears, and I I can't I, I'm not sure if 
the, the veracity of this, but it appears that everybody on staff is a bartender. So it's not just the people behind the bar when you come in. Mm-hmm. It's also the people serving you and, and taking your orders and wandering around and giving you food and doing the other bar, bar things. Also, yeah. I need to add the food was awesome, really good bar food. They do a pimento cheeseburger. Oh, uh, oh my God. It is <laughs> awesome. It is so good. And it's just, it's, it's not huge. It's not like a giant like meal burger, right? It's bar food. But I, I just love pimento cheese on a burger. My God, it just, is just awesome. Give me that and kill me. I'll be happy. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and the bun was warm, and the meat was almost rare, like so red and nummy. And then everything sort of – and oh, and they also pickle their own vegetables. So it came with uh, pickles and pickled onions. And they, they also used the, the pickled onions. We learned this. We got uh, Gibsons, the house Gibson. Uh-huh. They pickle their onions in gin botanicals. Oh. So that when they add it to the Gibson, yeah, it it's all married. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's also the, it's the, a little beautiful slice of pink in that otherwise, you know, wa- clear. It's not the white uh, onion. Oh. So they, like, use red wine vinegar or something when they're pickling who knows and it and it's a slice of onion it's it's like a wedge of onion it's oh, not a, oh so is it a is it a red onion that's it pickled? might be a red onion yeah okay. um and so it like it sits on the bottom like a lovely little fish almost <laughs> and uh so you you get the drink there's no you're not maneuvering on any kind of uh, uh toothpick or, or pick that's holding the onion right it's right. just floating in there lovely and then yeah it was Everything about the evening was really nice, but the thing I appreciated was, so it gets it got it did get busy. I mean, it's a very popular bar in the Mission, and uh, when it got later, you're going to be waiting for your drink, right? Right. And I I feel a little hesitant about doing a bartender's choice at that point. Like they're they're really trying, like they want to work off the menu and do things that they know. Sure. But um, Eric, who was uh, serving us. Uh, I I asked, well, uh, I'd, I'd already had two cocktails by that point. And I asked, well, yeah, you know, and we had some food, so that's all right. Yeah, you're fine. And exactly. Um, I, I So I said, yeah, I'd, I'd like something else, something something off the menu. And he asked the, you know, the, the pertinent questions. And then he came back with a bamboo. Oh. That, yes. It was spectacular it was so beautiful uh combination of two vermouths and they made their own bitters and gorgeous in the glass just a a beautiful drink Uh, and it was so good that dinah asked for one as well so we had our bamboos and and then we chatted up eric a little bit trying not to you know get him too distracted um but then for our uh as we were closing out, he brought us a little kina kina to mm-hmm. cleanse our palates, mm-hmm. which was also delicious. Uh, just a just a gorgeous night, a really nice, like th- th- it, it felt like they went out of their way for us. But you know that they probably treat everybody really well, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's what you that's you, that's what you want from a you bar. want yes cordiality. Good drinks are certainly important, but I I don't know about you, but there have been. A lot of times where you get a great drink at a bar, but you just don't want to go back. Right. The atmosphere isn't working for you or mm-hmm. just, just it, it's, it, 
it's not necessarily that you feel unwelcome, but you don't feel welcome. Yeah. And somehow, I I don't know what the magic formula is to doing this. Like, you've got a room... The, the, by the time we left, the room was packed. Like, you know, a standing room only. Uh, the servers are still trying to move around and get drinks to people and balancing the trays and doing all the magic that they do. And yet... <clears throat> Up until the moment we left, and, and in fact, you know, even the moment we left when we had the Kina Kina, uh-huh. it was beautiful. I mean, it just flawless everything. It was great. Perfect. So go. You should all go. I Everyone, love it. Except don't go on Tuesday, because that's when I go. And yeah, don't ruin I it. Want, I want, <laughs> yeah. Don't ruin it for me. Okay, mm. should we fill our chargers? Let's do that. Yep, we're at the halfway point. I just finished my cherry. Mm-hmm. So we'll return after station identification. You want to fill the charger and come back and chat a little bit and then fill our glass? Yes. Okay. And we're back. Uh, yeah. Um, so when do, you go ahead. Just do one or two. I, I just did one. I did two. Oh, uh, see, you plan ahead and you do this well. <laughs> I'm. So I probably should have done two, but I'm. Well, if you're going to do two, then I might do the egg white one. Uh, with, huh? Not carbonated. So you did two for yourself? No, 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 no. I did two oh, cartridges. Cartridges. Oh no, I did one. Okay. I thought you meant you you like enjoyed it so much that you uh, like two. Uh, <laughs> But no, I uh, I generally do one cartridge per cocktail. Ah, so if I'm making three, I will do three cartridges, etc. Oh, really? Yes. Three seems scary. It is, <laughs> I, it, and and a lot of times stuff comes out. <laughs> um, so you do, yeah, because it's filled, right? There's a lot going on in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have done it. Uh, the other thing that I find about it is that the carbonation does tend to wear off fairly quickly. It's not like drinking a, a soda pop. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, over like you probably using two is a good a good bet over carbonating rather than under carbonating. Well, and plus I'm making at least two cocktails because I live with ladies. Yeah. See, <laughs> my, my cat is not so much interested in what I'm drinking unless it's water and then she wants all of my water yeah my cat just likes to knock over unattended water glasses did you see the uh, circling back to our negroni variation conversation did you Mm -hmm. see the uh it's uh i think it's the imbibe magazine it's the punch punch Mm -hmm. it's their email newsletter which i actually recommend it's good fun Mm -hmm. and often the recipes are worthwhile so the theme was whiskey sour variations. So oh, timely. It, it was right on point. So the first one they mention is the millionaire, which I derided in an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. And then second is the New York sour, which we just discussed. Then you have the filibuster which looks lovely, and then the Algonquin, which I have experience with and is a delightful cocktail and then uh, something called betty carter which apparently has sherry mm. i am uh not well averse with sherry but i'm becoming uh 
acquainted with it and a fan. Yes. The sherry cobbler uh, is always so. If you feel like you've been in your cups a bit too much, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're in a nice bar, the the sherry cobbler is an excellent way to go. Yes. And if they look at you weird and they don't know what it is, that's why we carry iPhones with us now. <laughs> Just pick it up, bring up the recipe, and show it to them. And they're going to have some. Hopefully, they're going to have some sherry there and and various fruits. And uh, yeah, it's a lovely. You can just sit it in front of you and sup on it, and it's quite delightful. So the Betty Carter comes from Brooklyn, New York, and features an ounce and a half of bourbon, three quarter ounces PX sherry. Um, Pedro Jimenez is what PX stands for. Um, one half ounce Amaro Nonino, which we've discussed as being delightful, mm-hmm. and three quarter ounce lemon juice. So that sounds like a rather nice drink. I would try that. I was. I'm going back to the uh, the millionaire because they have a recipe for grenadine, which they call the employees o- New York Cocktail Bar employees only. Mm-hmm. I have the book from the employees only people. So here it is, and I've always been interested in in grenadine. I mean, the grenadine again, Simple Hands makes is delightful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but how do you know? How does one juice a pomegranate? Ah, so. I was going to try really hard not to say the name of Jeffrey Morgenthaler this episode. (laughs) You can just say JM or something. His book, The Bar Book, which is fantastic, clues you in on the best way to juice a pomegranate. And that is uh, to get one of those stand-up press juicers. The big, like they're like... They, they They have a big lever and the press comes down on a cone and the little claw feet or what, yeah, yeah yeah and uh like a standing on the counter type of thing um get one of those and then just cut the pomegranate in half don't worry about knocking the little pips out or anything like that just cut it in half put the thing on the cone press it down it squeezes all the juice out wow and it's not weirdly bitter or anything nope it's fantastic awesome. so so, in those cases when I need to juice a pomegranate, I should in 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 uh, <laughs> I should invest. Yes, I, I was saying imbibe. I should imbibe and invest in. Yeah, and you, what? So, but can you? I'm sure you can use it for other. Like, probably good for grapefruits because they're large. It's good for all citrus. Yeah, even, okay. even small ones. Because I have the, I have a. Like, uh, if you're running rump- through, like, uh, how many limes did you do for the cordial? Twenty something. Yeah, yeah. Like an an enormously stupid number. Yeah, um, and the trick that I learned from a different booze co- podcast. <laughs> there are no other booze podcasts. Is you don't even cut the lime in half. You cut a slit in the lime, and put the whole lime on the press. And then squeeze it, and you get all the juice out of it. How do you? Uh, are, 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 you're like, talking about the big ones again. The yeah, big press. With, okay. with, with the big press. So you you kind of slit it and kind of like just uh, so like so like a half depth notch on the yeah. equator of the lime. 
put that sort of facing down on the cone of the juicer. Okay. And then lower the press, and it'll squeeze all the juice out. Okay. Because limes are tiny, mm-hmm. and you'll inevitably squish them and do something horrible to them. Yes. Okay. That does make sense now. I don't I, know what was going on in my head, but I couldn't, for, for the life of me, fathom how that was going to work. But now I do. Yeah. That, I that, was also... That's was brand new knowledge the, uh, to me. I, I've actually not tried it myself, but mm-hmm. um, it seems exciting to try. Especially, I was thinking, especially since I did invest in a giant press juicer. So, <laughs> I don't. I live in San Francisco, where all of our unless you're a billionaire, your apartment's tiny and shoebox like. So I'm not sure I can fit that in here. And I plus I do have an electric juicer, a, a Breville. Oh yeah, thing. Um, which I don't think would probably work for pomegranates because it has the rotating thing and it might because oh, that, really? that's that's his like professional uh, Morgenthaler's that's his uh, professional grade recommendation is just use your power juicer and slam the half on to the spinning cone. I will try it then because what have I got to lose? You'll probably end up with pomegranate juice all over the place. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just make I... sure you wear like a black shirt and. That's all I have, <laughs> really, black shirts. And when you have a cat, like the idea of things getting messy and right, it doesn't really give them, no. Yeah. All right. I didn't check the time when we sat back down. I Yeah, but it's probably, it's for sure probably there. You, you think it's cooked? I believe it is cooked, yes. All right. Let's go pour our drinks. All right. So funny story. <laughs> yes. Uh, my drink is very red because I didn't have grapefruit shrub. Mm-hmm. And mind you, I realized this just now as I was pouring the drink. I, I, I have cranberry shrub. Uh-huh. Which okay. is actually... A fantastic little drink. <laughs> <laughs> See, magic happens. Cheers. Mm-hmm. I don't know about yours, but mine came out like beer. It had a huge head on it at first. Uh, no, not so much. Mm, but again, it works. I also tend to pour very slowly out of the pure fizz, just because sometimes it does explode. I think I just had a lot of foam in it, and I just kept pouring, and it was all foam at the end, and then it, it you know settled down like a Guinness. But oh, interesting. At first, I was really happy. I'm like, this is going to look so cool. And then, <laughs> then kind of died, but it tastes good. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I remembered my cherry this time, too. So it, it, it's a riff on a whiskey sour, right? Certainly. And now we have to come up with a name, which we always know is hard. Oh, gosh. So cranberries. Where mm-hmm. are cran- Washington State cranberries? Um, and, and New England. And New England. And they come from a bog? Yeah. And what else do we know about them? Um, Thanksgiving, obviously, uh-huh. comes to mind. They float. They float, and yet I think they rake them to uh-huh. make them float. But none of these things say thirsty and delicious to me. No, no. Bogs and raking and... Ocean spray. But it is good for fall. It is, which is what my wife said. And she she's from New England, so she is somewhat obsessed with cranberries. When we mm. first moved to Colorado, you could only find the frozen cranberries at holiday season. Mm-hmm. So she would hoard them. And 
We would have like half a dozen bags, like one pound bags of frozen cranberries in our freezer at all times. For and, no particular reason. Yeah, I, was, well, <laughs> I don't know of a lot of recipes offhand calling for cranberries. Mm-mm. She just wanted to have them. And it is a lovely looking drink, by the way, those at home who can't see what I'm seeing. It is, it's a beautiful drink. It's got a nice color. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, I fibbed slightly. I realized it wasn't cranberry shrub when I was pouring it into the pure, when I was measuring it out, because it was garnet red instead of the, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of pinkish mm-hmm. hue of the grapefruit. It all works. It all works. Like, That's- once, once I realized my mistake, I just went with it, and uh, especially with the uh, vinegary flavor of the shrub, mm-hmm. it's quite good. That makes me want to try. I still have a lot of the quince vanilla shrub, mm-hmm. um, and I need to start using it more because it it keeps for a while, but it doesn't. You know, there's no preservatives in it, so it's after mm. a while. I don't know what'll happen to it. Probably nothing. I don't know. It seems like the uh, vinegar would help it. Yeah, Hang out. and there's no there's no expiration date on it, so maybe I'm I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I don't pay particular. I mean, I've there's milk and butter in there that's probably a month old. <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah, you smell it and it's all right. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always check my uh, homemade simple syrups for like chunks of things on top, but otherwise <laughs> I know they're fine. Because <laughs> mm. that that does happen. Simple syrups. I mean. The books do they, will, the do they book, crystallize? No, they they can mold if they're oh, all right. if, if they're exposed to air long enough. And mm-hmm. um, I try to put them in the bottle hot so they sort of pasteurize and stuff like that. You know, above one hundred and eighty degrees. Um, but and still, you, over are t- you are you just using white sugar? No, not even. I use like whatever I can get at. Whole Foods, which is where I buy my groceries because I'm one of those people. Um, <laughs> so I the kale it, people. It's yeah, it's it's a uh, you know organic cane so it's, sugar. Is it, the, is it the slightly blonde color? But it, mm-hmm. it's not. It, it's not all the way to the. It's not all the way like turbinado yeah. sugar, but right. it, it's it's got just a tiny bit of molasses or something, giving it some sh- some color. That is exactly what I use uh, for the most part. I do have like just regular white sugar because I find that it does work best in some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just want the sweetness without any of the kind of maple flavor. Right. Uh, but yeah, I really like that blonde raw sugar. Yep. Super good. I found another while you were, while we were both gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at Punch, there is a, another whiskey sour alternative called the Midnight Stinger. Ooh. And Does that this, have creme de menthe? No. Well, it has a mint uh, garnish, mint sprig garnish. But rather than an ounce and a half of bourbon, it's one ounce of bourbon, one ounce fernet. Oh. And just normal fernet, not the menthe? Fernet, fernet bronca. Okay. Yeah. And then three-quarter of the lemon juice and three-quarter of the simple syrup and shake all that together. That comes from Attaboy. Mm-hmm. That's something else you can try at home. Those of you who are in love with Fernet, it's another use for your Fernet. Harkens back to our hanky-panky from mm. the previous episode. Yes. And actually, the more I can find things to do with my Fernet, the ha- I like drinking Fernet. Right. But I like also using it in things. So this is, this is something, especially because we've now decided how delicious and delightful the whiskey sour is. 
Right. So there you go. Another one for you. Excellent. We're helping people, Lance. We're we helping are. People. We're holding them by their hand. We're leading them to the promised land. So let's talk a little we're bit. We're like Jesus. No, but with not. liquor. Not at all. Oh. <laughs> well, beards. I well, mean, yeah. And we're okay. white men. I mean, according to the Christians I know, yeah, we, but... we, we look like Jesus. They're delusional. <laughs> I just like the way you said that. It's like, like, <laughs> like a grandma. They're delusional, honey. <laughs> so, Sorry, you were going to say... Let, let, let's talk just a little bit about rye whiskeys. Since I made, yes. I made my drink with rye whiskey. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have a particular favorite? Um, uh, my, uh, my go-to is the Rittenhouse, for sure. Uh-huh. I do like the Bullet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if I was going to be splurgy, I would probably go with the Colonel Taylor rye. I don't know if you've had that. Yep. But it is particularly rye-y. Yeah. Um, it, cause the th- to me, the difference between a bourbon and a rye is the rye has a more of a bite and more of a fire going on on the tongue. Mm-hmm. A L- little bit more heat. Yeah, it's, it's often described as spicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that is, a good, that is a, a good word for it, but not spicy in the sense of, again, Christmas pudding. Right. Uh, but yeah, pep- not even peppery. Peppery is also the wrong word, but um, it definitely lends a, 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 a new note to the drink that mm-hmm. isn't otherwise there. So those would be my three, like my, so my go-to Rittenhouse. I like Bullet. Like Bullet's one you can, if somebody's a little bit rye shy. Yeah. It's a good introduction. Like it, it, it's not difficult. It's yeah, it's perfect for that. And again, they seem impressed because it looks expensive. Right. So you can give it to your boss, and if he doesn't know any better, he'll he'll nod his head knowingly and go, "Ooh, right." <laughs> <clears throat> and Colonel, I I just like I like almost all the Colonel Taylors I have ever tried. Yeah, I um, there was a website that ran a special and basically you got six bottles of Colonel Taylor from like the single barrel to the cast strength to the rye and then like so like five bourbons and one rye or something like that Mm -hmm. I forget the price but it was probably like 400 bucks or something like that because it's not super cheap whiskey it it is not uh it's definitely when I when I have a a bottle it it tends to not go in things i tend to just sip it yeah so i got that for myself as a splurge and didn't regret an ounce of it no no i was introduced to it by uh steve champion out uh a friend from north again north carolina um at alembic here in san francisco and i'd never heard of it uh and this was before they had all of the different colonel taylors it was Mm. a a limited release right and he saw it on the shelf, and he's like, well, give me some of that, because you don't get it very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and he passed it around, and ooh, yeah, ooh, that was good. Right. Uh, so then I did, I did start looking for it, um, and it does come out of the Buffalo Trace family, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely not Buffalo, to me, it's not Buffalo Trace. No, and, well, uh, Buffalo Trace is a really good sort of umbrella distillery slash company because a lot of their distinct brands are very unique from each other mm-hmm. yeah and they're pretty much all oh i and i did not oh you but you you mentioned this eagle rare is also a buffalo trace mm-hmm. uh brand 
Wow, they have a ton of them, don't they? Yeah, they do. So my, as I've already mentioned, my sort of well rye is the bullet. I always have it on hand. I like buy the handles and pour it into 750s and keep that on my shelf. <laughs> sort of a splurge, but also really kind of funky is the Leopold Brothers Maryland rye. Mm. I like it a lot, but I think it's kind of a an acquired taste. Why why do you say that? Like I said it's kind of funky. It's it's got it's it's based on a historic recipe going back to who knows when, probably the 1800s or something like that. You know, Todd mm-hmm. Leopold spends his evenings reading dissertations about distilling. So this is sort of a reproduction recipe. Okay. And uh yeah, uh, I I've and I feel like a lot of stuff back then had a rougher edge to it. And I would say that about the Maryland rye from Leopold Brothers as well. It's hard to find, like it's seasonal. It gets released and then the bottles just sort of disappear. Yeah, I'm not familiar at all. I um I will, uh, since it's just you and I here, I will volunteer that I'm always a bit suspicious of whiskeys that don't originate from, like, Scotland or Kentucky. Uh-huh. I shouldn't have that, I, because I, I've had many a good whiskey. There's a Washington State that does a, a, a single malt that's exceptionally good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we make some here in California. We also make some really bad ones here in California. Yep. Um. So yeah. I, I probably I probably don't pick those up for that reason. I'm a little bit the same, mostly because the bad ones are kind of wretched. Like they have that sort of silage, grainy flavor. Yeah, that just sits at the top of your tongue. It's almost as if they have flavored vodka, right? They didn't and, really distill it as whiskey. Yeah. It's like this is the perfume and the taste of whiskey, but it, it just doesn't. It just doesn't have the smoothness of something that comes from Kentucky, for instance. Mm-hmm. But I, I do like that one. I probably wouldn't like recommend it to everyday people. All right. Like I, I think it's one for the nerds. <laughs> Cocktail nerds. Mm-hmm. But then, as, as with you, uh, the Overholt and the Rittenhouse, are, they've been around forever, and yeah. they are both fantastic and affordable. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just... Those are off the top of my head, but I'm going to look up some rise to mm-hmm. see if there are others that I have enjoyed but don't uh, come to, or that I have not enjoyed uh, that come come to mind here. Um, Sazerac. Templeton. Yeah, Templeton we've talked about because of the whole branding debacle. Mm-hmm. But it is delicious. It is, an, it is good. I, I, I do enjoy it. Um, uh, I... I, I Again, it's probably not a go-to. Uh, I, I considered it a go-to for a while. Then I just decided Bullet was cheaper and easier to find. <laughs> That's, but, those are good reasons. So my fancy pants splurge rye is something called Thomas H. Handy. Fancy. Which is just amazing. And it, I'm, look, I'm looking it's, it up it's now. It's super high proof. It's like 132 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sets your pants on fire, but it's great. <laughs> uh, and it is another Buffalo Trace. Yes, product. it is. Yeah, as as is Sazerac, I believe. Wow, they are just they're shoveling those at us, but they're good. Like, mm-hmm. I can't I can't deny that they are good. I don't think they have a bum label in their stable. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's cool that it did. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Thomas H. Handy is not widely available. No. It is pricey. Yes. Uh, it's 129 proof. I'm pretty sure the bottle I had was 132. It varies year to year, barrel to barrel, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read off this uh, list of what makes a rye whiskey a rye whiskey, according to Eater.com. All right. Um, so it must be aged in a new charred oak barrel. It must be distilled no more at, to no more than 160 proof, which is 80% ABV. It must be put into the barrel at no higher than 125. So you distill it to 160, then you cut it down to 125, put it in the barrel. Mm -hmm. It must be bottled at a minimum of 80 proof. So you get to cut it out of the barrel, put it in bottles. Uh, Straight rye, which is a common thing that you see, it actually means something. Mm -hmm. Um, Straight rye must be aged at least two years. If it is aged less than four years, the bottle should carry an age statement. So two to four years needs to say on the label. Uh, If a bottle labeled straight rye lists no age, it should be at least four years old. So there you go. So if it's straight rye and there's no age statement, it's at least four years old. I'm looking at the price of this Thomas H. Handy, and that is a splurge. Uh, so what's 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 the current price on that? The ones I'm looking at on Google here are 500 bucks a bottle. Oh no, sir! Uh, <laughs> when I first found it, which was uh, probably four years ago, three years ago, mm-hmm. um, I was buying bottles at 75 dollars. Uh, apparently, you can't do that anymore. No, apparently not. Uh, I think the last bottle I got was like around a hundred. And then it it was out of my price range. Well, I'm wondering if if these are expensive because they haven't made it for a while, so now it's a rare bottling or something. It's it's possible. Uh, they're not really telling me much other than it's really expensive and uh, stuff. The most I've ever spent for a bottle of something, I'm going to say, is probably two hundred for a scotch. Uh huh. I can't even. I was probably drunk at the time because I don't. I like I, like a hundred bucks is usually my ceiling. Absolutely. Yeah. Same. Uh, so, two. I, I, I. It might have been. I was also a uh, Scotch whippersnapper, and they took advantage of me, and right, they saw right. that I didn't know what I was doing, and they go, and you know, this this Scotch is, and probably it was a fifty dollar bottle of Scotch that I paid two hundred dollars for. Um, and again, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you which Scotch it was or whether it was any good. Yeah, I, it, I would probably either have to be drunk or really have enjoyed something to spend more than $100 for it. Uh, it looks like they make the Thomas H. Handy annually, even still. There, there are annual release letters on the Buffalo Trace Distillery website, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me. Yeah, apparently you can uh, somehow sign up to be notified by Buffalo Trace when they release their various whiskeys. All right. If you're a fan, that makes sense. Yeah, now I'm looking at another site, not Google. This is, uh, and they have a, a variety of the Thomas H. Handy. The cheapest that they have is 50 bucks. Oh, there you go. But I don't know how much that is because then it jumps to 99 and then it jumps to 269 and then we <laughs> And then we're back up in the 300 and $400 for a bottle. Yeah. 
I feel like I found it when it was first released, the like the first year or something. It makes me think I should buy this $40 bottle. Well, but what if it's a teeny tiny bottle? It says <laughs> 750 milliliters. Oh, there you go. The 2015 World Whiskies Awards, which is awkwardly framed, <laughs> um, named Thomas H. Handy the world's best American whiskey. Wow. So it's definitely worth $400. Uh, no. No. <laughs> but that, w- that was in the uh, release letter from the Buffalo Trace Distillery. I, just, just for like professional curiosity, I want to sign up for these release letters. Why not? <laughs> you, well, you don't have to act on them, right? Right. It's just email. It's not even like paper you have to throw away. You push a button and it's deleted. So, but yeah. I will I will add that to my list of if I see it, I will try it mm-hmm. kind of things. Yeah. Because it's so high proof, definitely like do the thing where you have a sip without any water or anything and then probably add water. <laughs> <laughs> have you had the what's – the, what's the super whiskey everybody's like Pappy? Have oh, the you? Pappy Van Winkle. Also Buffalo Trace. Have you ever had that? Uh, so, actually, do, do me a favor so you can follow along, mm-hmm. you and listeners at home. Uh, go to the buffalotracedistillery.com website and go to their R Brands section. Yep. And find the Van Winkle page. So, mm-hmm. in the Van Winkle family, there's Old Rip Van Winkle 10 year, Van Winkle Special Reserve 12 year. Van Winkle Family Reserve Rye, Pappy Van Winkle 15, 20, and 23. That's the rainbow of Pappy Van Winkle. Okay. Um, so the thing that happens with Pappy Van Winkle is it gets released every year, and you know people used to be able to like put in reservations at their liquor stores. Like you're going to get an an allotment. I want two bottles of the 20 year. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, either they'd make you put a hold on it and like give a deposit or prepay or who knows, all depended on the liquor stores. But now it's not even possible to do that because people get their allotments and they just disappear. And usually at a markup. Because mm-hmm. they know they can. Right. What I have heard is, like, somebody who knows somebody at Buffalo Trace. Mm-hmm. So they don't particularly think the Peppy Van Winkle is all that. They prefer the W.L. Weller. So I've heard similar information. And basically what I've heard is if you take, I think, the Weller Special Reserve and the Weller 12-year and sort of mix that, you basically get, like, a Pappy Van Winkle 15. <laughs> right, and if you gave somebody a glass of it mm-hmm. and told them it was Pappy Van Winkle. And the Weller is very affordable whiskey. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I'm not sure which one, the, the 12 or the Special Reserve, actually comes in uh, handles, 1.5s. So you can have quantities of it. But anyway, to finish my Pappy story, yes, it was allotment season, and bars around Denver were advertising the fact that they had Pappy Van Winkle, and so I went to my friend McLean's bar, the Rhino Yacht Club, and he had one bottle of each allotted mm-hmm. to him. Like, that's 
All his bar got was one bottle of each. And it came up in conversation that Heather had never tried any of the Pappy Van Winkles. I had. Mm -hmm. And so McLean, being the gentleman that he is, poured us a flight of one-ounce pours of the entire family. Whoa! Yeah. That's nice. We got to enjoy the entire spectrum of Pappy Van Winkle. And having done so, was it memorable? Having done so, we both liked the rye and the 23 year. Yes, of course. I had to laugh at her because, you know, the rye on the spectrum of things is reasonably affordable for a Van Winkle label. Um, Of course, the 23 year is absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And do you know, um, so they're, I, I assume that they are purposefully limiting the amount of bottles that get out. Yeah. Because they could make more, one assumes. Well, I or, mean, as, as with any whiskey, you can make more, but you can make more for 20 years from now, or 23 years from now, or 15 years from now. You can't make more for right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, it's kind of interesting. Um it it actually kind of seems like they're incentivized to restrict production of certain brands that, you know, have become popular. Yeah. The Japanese whiskey industry is getting on board with this, too. Like, they're jacking up their prices and limiting availability as well. And do you know offhand how the Van Winkle gained its reputation? Was there a, a, a review? Or why, why suddenly was it the one to have? It's it's been pretty universally known. It's okay. Just, it's just bourbon in general has become hugely more popular in say the past ten years than it was before. Okay. Oh, there's a so. Oh, never mind. Uh, so they, well, because there was a there was a link off the Peppy Van Winkle page at Buffalo Trace to the old Rip Van Winkle Distillery. Right. Which I guess, but it's on, It's the address is 113 Great Buffalo Trace. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, all those Kentucky distilleries have a very intertwined history. Um, I'm sure you know about the found barrel whiskeys, like Old Blowhard and Bartle House and stuff like that. Uh, I'll pretend that I do. But I will say perhaps our audience does not know. Oh, uh, I'm going to have to find an internet website. We, we can also do it next week because we're, <laughs> we're running long in the tooth here. That's true. We might be able to save that. It, we'll, it gives us something to talk about. We'll come back to that one because it's actually an interesting story, especially in light of like brand story crafting a la Templeton Rye. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's save that. We're going to call this one... Done. So this, again, this week's drink and variations of was the classic whiskey sour, which we've discovered is at least 200 years old. And which I never remember, but turns out to be one of my favorite drinks. It is, it is, it's easy to make. It is reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's delicious. And uh, I, I would also venture to say that this is a good one for people who don't like whiskey. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you could easily give this to somebody who doesn't like like whiskey and just say, right. here, have a drink. Mm-hmm. All right. That's it for us this week. Excellent. Thank you for listening and drinking. Listening and drinking. That's what we do. Except yes. we talk. We Well, we listen. 
<sighs> why is life so hard? And this is why we drink. <laughs>